Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It's Christmas week, folks, and I've been an exceptionally good boy this year, so I am expecting a grand Christmas day. And if I don't get one, then I will have a grand after Christmas day as I go get all the things that I want for myself that I didn't get. No, seriously, I always look forward to this time of year. It's great. Uh, it's one of the best things about being a parent, man, is uh, Christmas time and and uh, all the whole Santa Claus thing and the Christmas spirit and all that. Love all that. Love how kind everybody gets. You know, it's like one of those things and we're going to talk about some things that uh, were some kindness was missing today, but uh but nevertheless, I do enjoy the fact that everybody, you know, everybody walks around with, hey, Merry, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, you know, and, and those are good times, good times. And uh, 
it's good times in Stark Vegas because uh, it's still football season here. It's still football season in this neck of the woods. And uh, really happy about that. Matter of fact, we're going to be getting ready to go to uh, travel to Nashville, Tennessee this weekend. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing the Bulldogs play again in their 10th consecutive bowl game. A lot of football stuff we're going to get to. Want to want to get out there and give you some things that I've heard in relation to some of these rumors that are making the rounds. Because one thing that I've learned about the rumors is if we allow them to go unchallenged, we don't correct the record, then before you know it, we'll have some people indicted as part of the Kennedy plot, the plot to kill Kennedy. You know, so I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna tell you what I've learned, and you know, and I'll I'll share with you some things that I've learned, and we'll move, kind of move on from that. It's ne- it's never as bad or as good as people make it out to be ever 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 ever. What is as good as they make it out to be is Bulldog Burger Company. And let me encourage you when you're in town to go by and see them. If you're looking for last minute stock and stuffers, you can still get the uh, the Bulldog Burger gift cards. You can get those Eat with Us gift cards. Go by there and get those uh, today or tomorrow, and put those in the uh, stock and stuffer. And if you, listen, we all know a starving college student. So if you're the uh, the favorite aunt or uncle. Or grandparent, you can remain in esteemed status by allowing them a night out with their friends by getting them a Bulldog Burger gift card. I'm encouraged you to do that, and maybe you come to town and you bring them yourself. And you had those spring rolls and make everybody better looking. How about that? It's a good plan. Two locations now to serve you in Starkville and Tupelo on University, right here in Stark Vegas, and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and Tupelo. Go to meet, M-E-A-T. So let's just go ahead and get right to it. Let's go ahead and get to the meat of the show. So over the weekend, there began to be some rumors on social media and some of the message boards about, uh, you know, potential dust up in practice. And uh, it's crazy how that, that happens. Once once the rumor's out there, you know, it kind of spreads like wildfire. And then uh, th- there's like the truth. And then there's like the Homer's truth. What I mean by that is, is that the people that want, that want to be in denial and say, oh, nothing happened. And uh, there's those people, too, that maybe have never been involved in a football practice or anything. And that understand, and you guys that have played football, you know what I'm saying. You know, sometimes these dust-ups are part of the deal. You know, we'd love to be able to think that we got 120 guys that uh, it's everybody love everybody, like Jackie Moon taught us, you know, with the Flint Tropics. But uh that's not the reality of it. I mean, there are times when you're around people as much as they are, there are going to be some things that happen. Sometimes tempers uh, flare. Sometimes things happen and nobody's happy about it. But, uh, you know, we, we've been in some practices before. I mean, listen, when Dan Mullen was here, this is some things, I, I don't know, maybe people have known this. But, uh, you know, there were times that Dan, Dan Mullen threw Jeff Simmons and Brian Baker out of a practice one time because there was a, a hit on a quarterback. And uh, there have been a couple of things over the day. It got a little chippy, and uh, guys were getting a little bit too close to Nick Fitzgerald, a little bit too close, you know, for uh, for Dan's comfort level. And he addressed it a couple times, and then something else happened, and, and Dan Dan lost it. And Dan was going to protect his quarterback. So those things happen. I've uh, been out there before myself, you know, watching uh, Nick James. I mean, I think Nick James probably got into uh, – to a pushing and shoving match, probably every practice he was here. And it's always in the spirit of competition. You know, there are things that happen during practice, even between teammates. Sometimes the emotion gets better people. And so, uh, you know, then there's the the rest of that story. There's, the, there's other people that, uh, yeah, I've heard the rumor 
And not only have I heard the rumor, but it's 10 times worse than your rumor. So people begin to kind of, you know, top each other's cake. And so, well, here's what I have learned about the whole deal. But there was a dust up uh, Friday after practice, once Joe dismissed everybody, between Willie Gang and Gary Schrader. I'm told the whole thing happened in just a matter of seconds. And uh, some licks were passed. Uh, and that's, you know, that's kind of the extent of it. And uh, listen, so, you know, when, when guys that are SEC athletes throw hands, you know, there's going to there's gonna be uh, some consequences. You know, you're, it's just how it is. What I mean by that is, is, you know, those guys are going to leave marks on each other. There were rumors all over the Mississippi State social media community that shared that, you know, Garrett was knocked out, uh, that Garrett broke his hand, punching Willie in a helmet. I'm told that both of those things are completely false, that it all happened afterwards. Everybody's helmet was off, and it's unfortunate it was short-lived, but uh, it's an ugly incident. But Garrett wasn't unconscious. That's what I'm told. I'm told that he was not unconscious, that at no, no point did he appear unconscious or even really woozy. Uh, and that um, he didn't break his hand. So, and it's the, the things that happen. People get those out there, but people begin to panic. And so that's what we know today. And uh, I've got that from a couple of trusted sources because I, I really just wanted to kind of find out what's truth, what's fiction, and be able to share it with you guys. So, yeah, you had, they had, they had a dust up, and um, that's it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people that say, oh, I just can't believe that whatever happened. You hadn't been around a lot of football practices. You hadn't been a lot around been around a lot of football practice for sure because those things happen. You just hate to see it happen between a couple star players. You know that's 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 the bigger issue here is that you know these guys are supposed to be leaders on the team, and uh, you just hate to see it. You know because uh, all the reports out of practice have been that we have had really good preparation for the Music City Bowl. Then you have something like this, and it just kind of puts a damper on things. You know so. It is what it is. It is out there. There is some validity to the rumors. The incident did happen. But I am told that uh, the situation was not nearly as severe as some people have made it out to be. So we'll find out in a couple of days. You know, we'll, we'll, all have, we'll all celebrate Christmas. We're not going to be around the team. The team's uh, already gone home for Christmas. And then they will leave on Christmas Day and uh, rally in Nashville. And then we'll see what happens. You'll have a couple practices there. Uh, I suspect neither of those players will be available to the media. Uh, we're going to get there a little bit later in the week. You know, I don't know who all else is going up before then, but we're not going to go for the other practices, probably local media handling all of that. But, uh, you know, you've got a lot of time between now and then. You know, this, this thing happened on Friday. We're not going to play it, you know, a week from today. You know, so they'll be good to go. They'll be good to go. I, you know, and I, you know, it's one of those things, too. I've, I've, I've read some of the commentary, and I, and I want to say this as nicely as I can because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, okay? Everybody's a dadgum sensitive these days. But nobody needs to get kicked off the team. Nobody needs to go see Dr. Keenum or John Cohen. None, none of that needs to happen. This is it's part of sports. You may not like it, but that's the reality of it. It's just, the, it's just part of sports. When you have this many people out there and these many personalities, there are times that things just don't work. There's sometimes guys have a bad day, and you certainly hate it. And we're getting ready to go play a ball game, but it is what it is. I can't make it any better or any worse than it is. We had two players uh, trade some licks. 
after a practice session. That's the reality of the situation. Happened involved a starting quarterback. And that's you know, if, it, if it had been an offensive lineman or defensive lineman, it wouldn't have even made the message boards. Nobody even cared, as long as it wasn't a major injury. But that's what we know today. I am not overly concerned about it. I guess one of those situations, I guess because I have uh, – you know, played high school sports and coached high school sports and been around college sports for a long time. You kind of expect some of this stuff to happen. It just does. Happens in baseball, too. Happens in basketball. Happens in girls' basketball. There are times emotions run high. Not everybody's the best friends like they make it out to be during the autograph sessions. You know, they're a team. They're all working for a common goal. And I, I shared an analogy with some people a couple of days ago. You know, when I coached high school baseball – you know, especially, uh, I guess, my third year. I think that's one of the best coaching jobs we ever did, just keeping us kids from killing each other. So they didn't like each other. We had a senior class that was kind of underachieving, and we had a younger group of guys that were better. And so the older guys got jealous, thinking, hey, it's our senior year. And so we were we were on the verge of a fight every single day. Somebody was going to throw inside on somebody, uh, somebody would, would would dog it in practice. And so as a coach, it really, it really, 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 really taxes your ability to motivate your team and kind of organize a practice session. But you know what? Later in that year, one of our kids got hurt. One of our kids got really sick. And uh, it brought the group together. And, and, and God forbid you throw at one of our kids because the first guys off out of the dugout were going to be those seniors. You know, it's like it's one thing for us to have internal strife. It's another thing for you to kind of get in the middle of it. And so it's just kind of a part of sports. It just is. So we're going to move on from that. But that's what we know. Again, to, to summarize, Friday, after practice, dust up, lasted a few seconds, licks were passed. Everybody walked away. That's where we are. Everybody walked away. And again... Those guys leave bruises on one another. So now let's uh, let's get in a couple other things. A lot of people have asked about recruiting. Steve, what do we have left recruiting-wise? Well, the first thing that I want to say about recruiting, and we discussed this on signing day last week, is you know what a great job the staff did, kind of ensuring that we didn't have any late drama. Because you know when there's a coaching change, you know in, in your in-state rival, good, bad, or indifferent. You're always ripe to have somebody get flipped on you because there's a new coach coming in. There's people that are, there's a lot of juice out there. And State was able to beat that back. And it seemed like every year, we, we talked about when, when James Williams, you know, two Decembers ago, we had the big signing where Malik Heath signed with State. And that was, you know, that was a big surprise because he had been talking about signing in February. But that morning, we get out, we open up today, and James Williams had signed with Ole Miss. And I remember reading on, on the jeanspage.com message boards. I don't remember who wrote it, but somebody said, Hey, this is Joe's welcome to the SEC moment. I think it truly was Joe's welcome to Mississippi recruiting moment. Because there are a lot of these kids that will have people around them that will say, Hey, listen, here's how we got to do it. Here's how we got to do it. You just got to wait. Got to wait and do it on signing day. Where it achieves maximum impact. Because a lot of these kids, and you go back to the Cordell Giles recruitment, that sort of stuff, I mean, these kids are kind of pawns in a PR game. You know, Ole Miss wants to flip a Mississippi State kid. 
and they came hard at several kids. And they weren't able to get any of them. And so now there'll be kind of a fight to the finish here for a couple things. You know, the good thing is, is that most of the kids in Mississippi that Mississippi State is recruiting uh, have already signed. And so now we're looking at, okay, we got to get outside linebacker. We got to get another offensive lineman. And we would like to get an older safety if we can find one that can play. I had somebody question me on that comment earlier, and I want to explain it as best I can. You're going to lose Brian Cole, Jaquarius Landros after the bowl game. Brian Cole, of course, has already, uh, I understand, has already signed with an agent and uh, will not play in the bowl game. So that is kind of moved forward. He will not play. So this is given an opportunity for some other guys. And so you feel like, okay, you'll start Peters, Fred Peters at nickel. And he's had a good November. Okay. He's had a good November. And the good thing is, is that uh, you know, the, the staff has known that Brian Cole wasn't playing for, for the better part of a month. And so they've been getting Peters ready to start. Then Marcus Murphy will play and Jaquarius Landry will play. Well, if we get an injury, then we've got an issue. But those guys are going to have to play a lot of snaps. A lot of snaps. You got Sean Preston behind him. You got uh, Landon Guidry behind him. But those, you know, those guys are reserves. You've got a little depth there, but you, you really need next year. With Landry's moving on, Cole moving on, you really need another guy. You need another safety. And maybe you move Jerry and Jones from corner to safety. Because I do believe with Tyler Williams and Martin Emerson, if those guys continue on their current trajectory, they could both be starting corners and you could move Jerry into free safety. That'll free some things up. But, you know, we'll see. But if you could add another older safety in the mix, that would give you much more of a comfort level as you began to kind of think about the 2020 football season. The Jameric Woods kid from Florence, Alabama, signed with Duke, uh, grad transfer to Michigan. State showed some interest early on, elected to go in a different direction. And I don't, I don't question those decisions. I know a lot of, a lot of people do, and it makes for good message board fodder and that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, I don't have the luxury of watching film with our staff. And so I don't necessarily know what they see, what they don't see. It's one of the things that I've learned about these grad transfer kids. It's very rare to see a star player or a major contributor transfer unless there is an issue. You know, maybe maybe they've got a disciplinary issue or they've got a coaching issue or, you know, something like that. It's very rare to see a guy that's kind of pack up and change his life. You know, Joe Burrow is the exception rather than the rule. There's a lot more of grad transfer quarterbacks that have transferred and not been any better. Hicks and Starkle at Arkansas, top of that list. And you could add Tommy Stevens to that. You know, Tommy Stevens knew that he wasn't going to start at Penn State. Knew the clock was running out. Wanted to have an opportunity to, to go somewhere and compete for a starting job, and he came here. But more, more, more than less of those grad transfer quarterbacks did not make an impact. You know, everybody thinks they're the next Joe Burrow, but a lot of those guys are the next Nick Starkle. Just how how it all works. And so, same thing with these, these other positions. You know, we were all excited about Isaiah Zuber. I remember watching him in fall practice, and I remember thinking, watching him in practice, he was such a technician, but it has not translated to the field. And so when you go to the grad transfer market, it is still a crapshoot. Yes, you're adding somebody, 
that has some college level experience, but you're also adding somebody that traditionally has not won a job. You're adding somebody's second teamer or third teamer. You're adding somebody's bench warmer more times than not. And so the expectations about those players needs to be tempered. And we listen, we all got caught up in the, uh, the intoxication of the moment. You get Tommy Stevens coming in. Uh, he was a highly heralded prospect out of high school and, you get Isaiah Zuber coming in. You know, he had a big game against the well, Big game. He had a big year last year at Kansas State. You felt like these guys coming in would, would be able to be immediate contributors, but uh, that hasn't been the case. So you got to know what you're doing. So when you go out there and you get a grad transfer safety or a junior college safety, and we know those junior college guys, it takes them about half a year to figure this thing out, you know, but you need depth. And maybe you go after a JUCO guy. Maybe you go after a spring grad and try your luck there. And there's some options out there. we got to get another offensive lineman. Currently only have two offensive linemen in the class. At one point they were chasing four. It's not as an emergent need, I guess, as we've made it out to be at times. But you really want to get one more. You had a great offensive line class last year. And it's pretty good right now. It's pretty good. You got a couple of developmental guys from your home state that are certainly very robust, rotund, but they're not, you know, rounded off just yet. You got to polish the skills, but those guys have time to develop and grow. Probably need to go get one more. You know, you'd love to have had Xavier Hill at guard. He ultimately signed on with LSU, and this is a guy too that was supposedly leaning to Mississippi State multiple times and then commits to Alabama, and then ultimately commits to LSU. It is what it is. I can't blame a kid for committing to LSU right now. They're the biggest thing in college football. But Mississippi State's got to go find some guys that can contribute this year. So you go get that offensive line pipeline going again, but you've got to get an outside backer because really when you look at Tyrus Wheat and you look at Rodney Gross, they are Mike linebackers. And in this day of the spread, you've got to have long rangey guys that can run at outside linebacker. And while we've got some guys on the roster we feel pretty good about, we're getting awfully beefy at linebacker. We need some guys that can play on the outside. Aaron Brule is a guy. Willie Gay is a guy. But what happens after next year? When Errol Thompson moves on at Mike, you probably just move Tyra Sweet up. When Willie Gay moves on, you've got you know, Aaron Brule but you've got to have some depth behind them. You're losing some numbers this year. And so it makes sense to go chase an outside linebacker, an offensive lineman, and an older safety. And if you can't find an older safety that can play, you're probably in a situation where you just simply take the best available. If you can find a receiver out there that could potentially be a difference maker, you go take him. But again, it takes a while to get these guys in and get them settled. And especially these guys that can't come in for the uh, spring semester. Because anybody that we sign now in February is not going to be able to report until June. And you recall Isaiah Zuber didn't report until uh, until July. So he missed the whole benefit of the month of June, all those spring workouts and and then summertime workouts in June. Not just not just the workouts, but you know just watching film and getting to know the guys and throwing with Tommy Stevens and Keaton Thompson and Garrett Schrader. You got to build chemistry. You know, he's had some good games for us, but uh, not had the impact I think many of us expected. But that's how it looks going forward. That, those are the positions that I think we take a look at. Again, experience safety, because you got depth concerns there. Offensive 
lineman because you got to get the pipeline going again and, and outside linebacker because the guy you signed this year is the guy you probably redshirt. And you begin to play him behind Willie Gay and Herb Relay next year. So that way when Willie Gay moves on, you've got a, a solid two deep there. And there's some other guys out there, Nathaniel Watson and others. You know, we'll see how they develop. But, uh, you know, people forget we did not sign a linebacker in the class of 2019. Chase Nicobe Dean for a while, couldn't get him. Uh, Chase Henry from Gulfport, couldn't get him. And that, that's one that still kind of sticks in the craw a little bit. But linebacker's a priority, for sure. I want to remind you, too, Campus Bookmart, I will be there from 1 to 4 today. Campus Bookmart, uh, longtime sponsors of this show. They've done a great job for me for many years, and I'm uh, very happy to have them as partners. You can go find the latest in Maroon and White fashions right now because many of you are not going to get that Mississippi State shirt you were expecting. You know, you might get some Maroon and White gear, but you're thinking, you know what, I really wanted that Music City Bowl shirt. I really wanted that Egg Bowl Championship shirt. I really wanted that. Didn't get it. You know what, you can go get it yourself. You can treat yourself by going to campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll save you fifty, save you shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. And again, I'll be there later today signing books from 1 to 4 at Campus Bookmart for all of you that kind of waited to the last minute and come by and say hello. While we're talking books... Let me run this down for you real quick, just because I know many of you are still looking, okay? I'll give you a quick rundown, okay? If you're still looking for books, you can find them, because it's too late now. You can order them, always order them at StarkVillainsTheBook.com, but it's too late to get them for Christmas. But if you want to get them late for stocking stuffers, you still can. On the Mississippi Gulf Coast, you go to Bay Books in Bay St. Louis. In Cleveland, Mississippi, go to uh, Cotton Row Books. In Columbus, Mississippi, Grapevine has been carrying the book, but I would call them before I went. Flow Wood at College Corner, Greenwood, Mississippi Gift Company, and Turn Row Books, Hattiesburg at Main Street Books, Indianola Pecan House Gift Shop, and Jackson, Mississippi, Lemuria Books, the king there. They'll, they'll take care of you. Uh, Meridian, the Bulldog Shop has them. Stribling's Pharmacy in Philadelphia, Barnes & Noble in Ridgeland, as well as College Corner there in Ridgeland. And in Starkville, Barnes & Noble, Bookmart Cafe, Campus Bookmart, Liza Tye, Maroon & Company, Occasions, and The Lodge, and Tupelo's Barnes & Noble. You can find uh, books there. And uh, you might be lucky enough, if you live in Eupora, to go by Dab's Pharmacy and uh, pick up a book there. They, they might be sold out. We had some issues with that last week. Got phone calls that uh, Barnes & Noble was selling out. So the publisher had to make some... Uh, same-day deliveries to get that going. So thank you guys so much for your support of the book. It remains on the bestseller list. Very, very happy about that. So let's uh, let's jump into some basketball stuff. And uh, I guess let's get to the, to the good stuff first. And I, I hate to end the show on a negative note, but, uh, all right, but here's the deal. So the ladies go out there and win the duel in the desert. They take down uh, Virginia. Virginia is a, uh, a team that historically has been one of the stronger ACC teams. They're five and six on the year, and it did seem like our ladies had the better of things for most of the game. The ladies win 72-59 and will now head home for the holidays. I think many of them are already out there if you follow them on, uh, on social media. But uh, Jessica Carter really, really had a strong game. 
13 points, 15 rebounds, uh, a couple blocks as well. Rakia Jackson was named the tournament's most valuable player in the uh, championship game. She has 17 points, pulled down five rebounds. Beginning to see why she was so highly recruited. Uh, seven of 15 from the floor. Chloe Bibby had a really good ball game in game one. Eight points this time against Virginia. Uh, pulled down six rebounds. I'm beginning to see her kind of settle into that spot, too, over on the floor. Uh, Maya Taylor got to start at point guard. Really, really more of a distributor this game. Eight assists against zero turnovers and then two steals. She even pitched in a block. That'll get it done, folks. She only scored five points, but she ran the offense and played a game-high 33 minutes and 30 seconds. Jordan Danbury, five of eight from the floor, pulls down four rebounds, scores 10 points, did have four fouls. That is kind of becoming a trend with Joe, and a lot of that's on the defensive end. Hands out a couple of assists, had some turnovers as well. Got a little deeper in the bench. Zaria Wiggins played 18 minutes, had six points. Uh, Jemiah Mingo Young with double-digit scoring, 10 points. She is an emerging star on this team. Uh, Andy Espinosa Hunter just played seven minutes, picked up a couple of fouls, did not take a uh, shot from the field, was one of two from the floor. It's interesting to see that she has not had the impact that uh, she had last year. Last year in SEC play, she really picked it up. Perhaps it'll be the case again. But, uh, you know, we'll figure it out. But uh, the ladies, again, playing well. Now 11-2 and two on the year. They lost two in a row. Go out there and play some decent teams. Really, it's kind of a final tune-up. You know, it's one of those things. They've been on the road. They've done some big things. They'll be back in the Humphrey Coliseum December 29th and play Arkansas Little Rock. Arkansas Little Rock will be the final non-conference game, and then we'll open up with Florida on Thursday, January 2nd, and hit the road to Georgia and at Mizzou. And uh, they won't have Sophie Cunningham. Thank goodness, man. What a great competitor she was. I know that she was a polarizing figure, but it'll be a different deal uh, being able to play against them without her. She is an absolute star. I, li I like people that are willing to compete, and sometimes you got to wear the black hat, you know. So uh, Arkansas Little Rock has been a very good team over the course of the last several years. They have, uh, they have won their conference, I believe, three years in a row. I think that's correct. Three years in a row, maybe four the last five. I mean, they have been the Sun Belt team for some time. Uh, and so looking at their, uh, you know, what they've got going on right now, they're, uh, they're, they're a team that has uh, struggled mightily this year. Two and eight on the year. Two and eight. That's rough. They open up losing their first three ball games. They played A&M, played LSU, did not compete against A&M. Got beat by Rice. They did take down Central Arkansas, and they've knocked down Tulsa. But they have lost two games in a row. Recently played Arkansas in the North Little Rock Simmons Bank Arena, and they lose 86-53. So this will be an interesting matchup for Mississippi State. They shouldn't be able to play a lot of people, spread the ball around some. And then we're in the SEC play. Seems like, um, you know, seems like the, the, that the non-conference schedule went by pretty quick, and I think a lot of it is because we were so focused on football, because so many of us were thinking, we absolutely have to get to a bowl game. We have to retain the egg. We have done that. And so once we get to the bowl game, we'll kind of turn our full focus towards uh, basketball. 
men's basketball with a very, very disappointing result on Sunday. Nick Witherspoon's return to the lineup, and uh, we lose the ball game 58-52. We have got to get some things figured out on offense. We have been a pretty good defensive team. We've been a pretty good rebounding team at times. We have not been a good offensive team. One of the things that I said leading into the season is there were times last year we were incredibly dependent on Quindary Witherspoon. As Reggie Perry said, hey, he was our best player. We wanted him to take the shot. But there were a lot of times we'd stand around on offense and kind of wait for Q to create. We don't have Quindary Witherspoon anymore. Somebody else has to step up. Hopefully it'll be Nick Witherspoon. And I think that we will get better with him on the floor. But it, uh, it has not been a fun experience at times with this team. And listen, I know many people are very disappointed about having to go play in the Coliseum. But here's the thing. A lot of the folks that go watch that game in Jackson don't come to Starkville to watch a game. And uh, we have tried for many years to get holiday crowds. You know, when the students are out and we play a ball game up here, sometimes we just kind of sit around looking at each other because there's not a crowd here. So you take that game on the road, and maybe maybe you move it to Biloxi. Maybe you take it to Tupelo. Maybe you take it to South Haven. I don't know. But uh, you're going to take those games off campus. And, again, I'm a big fan of taking those those games on the road at times. We did not play well in this ball game, And uh, it just seemed like we were chasing the game the entire game. Reggie Perry, though, uh, 8 of 15 from the floor, 17 points, 10 rebounds, a couple of steals, an assist, one turnover, no blocks. Abdul Adu had been red hot for us. A decent night for him. Okay, two or three from the floor. Didn't get to the line. Seven points. Pardon me, seven rebounds, four points, and uh, three turnovers. One of those things with Adu, we've, we've still got to we, we stop bringing the ball down, big fella. Uh, Nick Witherspoon in his return. First game in a long, long time. And I know he was eager and ready to go. Supposed to be playing a Jackson. Four of eight from the floor. 0 of one from three. Pulls down one rebound, scores eight points, and fouls out of the game. And some people are saying, well, you know, if he didn't foul out, we'd probably win. Uh, I disagree. I think it's one of those deals where we weren't motivated to play. I mean, that's it. That's just that's my takeaway from this, is that we were not ready to play. Robert Woodard, a team high 36 minutes, 18 seconds, three or six from the field, two of four from free from the from the three-point line, one of two from the line, pulls down five rebounds, scores nine points. He is a guy that it was expected to get volume minutes and uh, will probably need to be a volume scorer because when you begin to look at this schedule at eight and three, you begin to think, how in the world are we going to get to 20 wins? It's going to be tough. The net is not good. The conference is not good, so you're not going to have, you know, you're not going to be able to ride the wave of the SEC. Tyson Carter, 4 of 11, 1 of 5 from three-point line, hits a couple free throws, a couple rebounds, scores 11 points. One of only two double-digit scorers from Mississippi State. We have mentioned this before. We cannot simply ride the Reggie Perry and Tyson Carter show. We've got to have more even, and the scoring's got to be better distributed. We've got to figure some things out offensively. DJ Stewart. Tough night for him. He's had a big year so far. Tough night for him. He didn't start. He's 0 of 6 from the field, 0 of 2 from the three-point line, didn't pull down a rebound, had four personal fouls, didn't score a point, didn't have four assists. He will bounce back. And you're going to have some inconsistency with younger players. That's just kind of part of the deal. 
Keyshawn Fazell is the guy that's been a premium reserve for Mississippi State. 0 of 2 from the field, 0 of 1 from 3, doesn't get to the line, pulls down one rebound, commits a foul, gets an assist, and, and has a turnover. Not a very good stat line for him. Iverson Molinar did not attempt a shot from the field, missed from three-point line, did make three free throws, didn't pull down a rebound, scored his three points, had a turnover, played only six minutes and 37 minutes of action. That's the Nick Weatherspoon minutes. And then people are saying, well, Steve, why didn't he play more? It's because Nick Weatherspoon was playing. Prince Aduro also really kind of a non-contributor. No shots, no free throws, one rebound, one personal foul, one turnover. So you got some guys coming in off the bench not, not giving you meaningful minutes. And that's the thing when you look at this thing, Mississippi State f- from the bench, 0 of 8, did not make a single basket with the bench and only scored three points from the bench. That's not going to work. That is absolutely not going to work. New Mexico state was up 23, 21 at the half. They go on to win 35, 31, the second half pull away 58, 52 outscore Mississippi state 23 to three in bench scoring 10 to five in fast break scoring. Uh, and in the paint state had the better of it, but, uh, New Mexico State didn't need much post-play because of the fact they were actually bombing from three-point early. They go 9 of 23, kind of got cold later in the ballgame. But uh, this is a ballgame we should have won. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, some of the comments in the post-game are a little bit concerning for me. Uh, This has been Howland's statement. I want to give credit to New Mexico State with how they came in and played today. They really took it at us with their defense. Their pressuring brought 17 turnovers for us, which is too many turnovers to beat a good team. I disagree with Ben. I don't think they're a good team. Uh, that's number one. And I thought that 11 offensive rebounds in the first half was a killer. We held them at 25% from the field in the first half. They had a two-point lead because they had so many of their shots coming back to them on second shot opportunities. We did a much better job in the second half when they didn't have quite as many offensive rebounds. The start of the second half was really a killer. Throwing the ball away on the inbound start second half's poor. That's my fault. We've got to do a better job of getting that organized against pressure. They were pressuring us. They had seen films that other teams where it had been bothering us, like Louisiana Tech and Sam Houston State. Obviously, that was their game plan. And that is true. And that's that is what troubles me, is that we have been we have known from the beginning of the season, with Tyson Carter running the point and a freshman Iverson Molinar running the point, that teams are going to pressure us. They have pressured us, they have caused us problems. And for us not to expect that and anticipate that, I think is a failure of the coaching staff. Very, very disappointed with this loss. Very, 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 very disappointed with this loss. And I know other people are like, ah, it'll be okay. Guys, I don't know that it's going to be okay. Because when I look at this schedule, we're 8-3. I don't, I don't see a path this team gets to 20 wins. I don't. You blow the game against New Mexico State. You blow the game against Louisiana Tech. You know, we were feeling so great about life when, uh, you know, we were undefeated and we lose by, you know, an, air, an eyelash to Villanova who took down number one Kansas. Thinking, you know what, we're going to be all right. And I'm one of those people. I told you guys, I think it's a fun team to watch. And then just when we begin to get some momentum, we drop that ball game to Louisiana Tech. We go steal that game at Kansas State. We really gutted it out. I want to give our guys a lot of credit for that. Because that game, it seemed like the calls and the shots were not falling in our direction. Then we come back home. We win that game. We come back home. We struggle against Radford, a team that has won, I guess, three ball games this year. I think, what are they, three and seven? I think that's right. 
Let me double check that. I think they're three and seven on the year. Maybe worse than that now. Let's take a quick look here at their schedule. Um, they only had three wins when they came in here. Yeah, so looking at this schedule here, if I can find it, I apologize for not being prepared. But looking at the men, they're four and seven. They're a four and seven team. And they went, they came to Humphrey Coliseum and uh, shot lights out. And again, that's kind of the, the defense. You can let them take that low percentage shot, but they were hit to some. But you found a way and you gutted it out and you win. But even though you win those games, you begin to see some, uh, you know, some chink in the armor a bit. You're thinking, yeah, we're winning these games, but but with with the talent level that we have, we shouldn't be playing down to these teams. And that's to me is the most frustrating thing about men's basketball is we never seem to play up to our talent, but we do play down to our competition. And with the amount of talent we have on this team, you've got Reggie, but you got you have five star kids on this team. You got to find a way to start beating these non conference teams with some authority. These, this doesn't help your net at all. Yeah, you get the W, but we Radford shouldn't be hanging around in Humphrey Coliseum. That team had won three games. And they come in here and hang around. And then you go to Jackson, and, and maybe it's a leadership thing. Maybe we don't have, you know, maybe we don't have Q that can go get in somebody's face and say, hey, let's get going. Maybe we don't have Lamar Peters as a guy that can take over a game. But it's very concerning. We'll be back in action a week from today against Kent State. That'll be the final tune-up before SEC play. And I don't think we can assume anything. I know that's one of the things you think at and say, well, you know, we ought to be able to win that ball game. You know, the, listen, the Golden Flashes might come in here and make their season. You know, I, I just, I don't, I don't think at this point you can have a lot of conference. You're going to be able to, to beat anybody the way you should. And they're a 10-2 team, guys. They're going to come in here looking to win the game. They're not going to come in here thinking, well, we're just going to show up and hope for the best. This is a team that has played really well. Absolutely, really, really well. And so this is a team that's used to winning. This is a team that uh, you know, has been competitive in every game this year. You know, Ohio State got after them a little bit, and then UC Irvine beat them by six uh, last Monday. So, you know, that, that ball game next Monday is far from a gimme if you're Mississippi State. And then we're going to take on undefeated Auburn to open SEC play right here at home. Then we go on the road to play Alabama, and uh, we have not played well in Coleman Coliseum over the years. Even the years that we split with them, we struggled over there. And then we got to go to LSU. And so you look at that, too. And I don't know what, you know, LSU is playing well, but it's always tough to go play in the PMAC. I mean, the Richard Williams years was much different. But uh, you begin to look at this thing. It is conceivable you could get out of the gate with an 0-3 start in SEC play. Certainly possible. You got the, an undefeated team, one of the best teams in the country, coming in here at Auburn, and you got to go on the road for two. And listen, LSU's not what they were last year, but uh, you know they're they're a team that's won. You know they're they're a team that's won some ball games. So, and anytime you got to put on that you know that dark colored jersey and hit the road and be a road team in this league, you're gonna earn it. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm very concerned, very concerned. And I and I, I'll be honest with you, the thing that concerns me the most is the fact that we simply can't find an offense. When we when we get somebody on the ropes, we have we make a run, then they make an adjustment. We we can't seem to out athlete anybody. 
And so we have got to find a way to find some sense of balance and some flow on offense. And that's the thing that, that is so frustrating to watch is that uh, when we do play good defense, and, and generally we are a very good defensive team, but we will play good defense, and then we won't pair that up with some offense. I mean, just kind of look at the numbers here. I mean, you know, uh, you know, we struggled to put away FIU. We uh, struggled to put away Sam Houston State. We did take care of UL Monroe. We took care of UNO. We took care of Tulane. Took care of Coastal Carolina. Couldn't take care of Villanova. Couldn't take care of Louisiana Tech. And Villanova, there's no, there's no shame in that loss. But when you look at these games, more times than not, the games are competitive no matter the quality of competition. we got to figure it out. Went to the tournament last year. This is year five. You know, we shouldn't be sweating this out, hoping we get to the tournament. Not with the – got a potential lottery pick in Reggie Perry. you got a future professional player in Robert Woodard. You know, and so these are the, these are the games that we should be getting fat in, but we're not. And that's the thing you look at and you say, okay, where are the wins going to come from? Because we got a big, we got a big conference schedule in front of us, and uh, then we got to go travel to Oklahoma too for that you know, Big Twelve SEC challenge. I mean, you know, you begin to look at this thing, think about the home games you got. Let's run down the home schedule here real quick. You get Auburn, Mizzou, Georgia, Arkansas, Tennessee, Vandy, South Carolina, Alabama. And Ole Miss, I can't guarantee we're going to sweep those games. Very, 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 very concerned. So let's move on from that. Uh, I know many of you are ready for uh, for Christmas. So let me tell you the schedule the rest of the week. And so uh, we will have Christmas Day on Wednesday. I will not record a show on Christmas Day, and I, I don't think you can blame me for that. So the plan is I will do one Thursday and we'll do one Friday and then we'll hit the road for Nashville and, uh, you know, come back and, and uh, talk about all the things that happened up there. I have read with great interest. I know some of these people have, uh, if, you, if you've read the Gene's page message boards, a couple people are concerned because some of the pickers have picked uh, Louisville to win the ball game. Uh, that doesn't bother me. Because many of the games that Mississippi State has played this year and lost, State was favored in. And, and again, anybody can can make a list. Anybody can pick bowls. And so I, I think this is a bad matchup for Louisville. I think if, if State can come out there with the quarterback run, and I watched some of that stuff last night, watched the Arkansas game again, watched the Ole Miss game again. When we are able to make people pay with the quarterback run, it opens up everything for Colin Hill. And uh, he's a guy that wants the record. Nick Gibson, the last couple of ball games, has run like a madman. I think we're going to run the football very effectively against Louisville. I don't. You you are who you are at this point. When your rush defense is in the 100s, you're not just going to get better. And one of the things that we always see in bowl games is how bad tackling is. The thing that I have heard, and, and again, maybe this is one of the things that kind of uh, you know preceded the, the dust up with uh, with Gay and Schrader is that um, it's been a very physical bowl camp. And last year, we were just trying to, to survive the practices and, and have some available bodies to go play the game. We didn't want to run the risk of getting anybody banged up. We were a little bit uh, banged up at the end of the year last year. And so we were really careful in camp. Well, I understand we have been more physical 
during bowl camp uh, than we were throughout the fall. Then you go all the way back to the preseason, all the way back to the spring, we've been a lot more physical. And so tackling shouldn't be the issue for us, but perhaps it will be for some other teams. We have put a real emphasis on tackling uh, in practice. But uh, I'm ready to go win the ball game, and I still expect State to win the ball game. I don't think Louisville's a great team, but they've got some guys that really make me a little bit nervous. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the week. But uh, there are guys that they got some offensive pieces. This could I would take the over in this ball game. I, I would take the over if I was a betting person because I think they're going to be some points scored. I don't think they're going to be able to stop the Mississippi State running game, and I think they're balanced enough on offense, especially with State's losses in the secondary. Because you guys are aware, Cameron Dancer, Brian Cole not playing, and C.J. Avery uh, major knee surgery there. You know, he's already had that. So three guys that uh, were contributors in your secondary are no longer available to you. And so and they have the ability to kind of pick you apart at times. And so they're going to score some points. Go ahead and be prepared for that. We're going to have to score some too if we want to go win the ball game. But I think with Colin Hill and Nick Gibson, Garrett Schrader, and or Tommy Stevens, you know, Tommy Stevens not quite 100%, but Joe Moorhead told us that uh, he was running with the twos. And uh, I will not be the least bit surprised if they didn't see Keaton Thompson play some. You know, we put some things in. We had some packages for him. We showed a little bit of that against Ole Miss and never really kind of went back to it. But you put that on film, and perhaps now maybe you can, uh, you know, make some things happen. I think, you know, maybe you can do some things to kind of keep them off balance. And so that's one of the things we'll look at kind of moving forward. And, uh, again, the practices are over here. Everybody's at home, and then they will kind of reconvene in Nashville and have a couple practice sessions, and then we'll go try to win a ball game. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. Again, thanks so much for your support of the book and the Boneyard and Jeans page. And if you're not a subscriber, uh, what are you waiting for? Go give us a like on Facebook, too. You can see all of our free content there. But on behalf of everybody uh, at jeanspage.com, from Paul Jones, Robbie Fogg, Gene Swindoll, Dave Murray, the General Mike Nemeth, thank you for your support. And uh, I, I tell you, I cannot begin to explain to you how much your support has meant uh, through the books, the website, the show, and everything else. And so when you guys come out and say hello, Mandy, it's just food for the soul. But uh, Merry Christmas to each of you. If you don't celebrate Christmas, happy holiday to whatever you do celebrate. And uh, there are a lot of people out there that this is a very difficult time of year. You know, maybe there's been a death in the family or something that's kind of put a, a little bit of a shadow over the holiday season. And let's be sensitive to that. And uh, if you're one of those folks, please uh, don't be alone during the holidays. There are people that love you and care about you no matter what you might think. And so I hope that uh, we can all have a good holiday season and make it through this thing and uh, and, and go in a bowl game and, and enjoy some time with friends and family and, and look forward to uh, another great year of Mississippi State Athletics. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.